everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of Phoenix Feather Fantasy Book Reviews brought to you by justanotherstrugglingwriter.com. My name is Carrie Share and I am just another struggling writer. And struggling I have been this week, no thanks to the time change here in the United States, which always kicks my ass every year, but for some reason this year it was like way worse than usual. Every day after work, I just came home and wanted to crawl straight in bed, and I actually didn't get to do any recording also because my kids were home from um, school for spring break, so they were always being noisy. They were always up late, so I'm actually recording this super late in the week, which is definitely not my preference. I'd like to get it done earlier in the week so I can use the weekend to edit it all together and kind of relax a little bit, but you know, what are you going to do? But sleeping and dealing with rowdy kids is not the only thing I did this week. I also spent a little bit of time doing some outlining on that new project I mentioned, the portal fantasy idea. Um, It's becoming less and less a romance the longer I work on it, but you know, that's fine. Um, And I know I said that, you know, I didn't want to be the person that just starts and stops ideas, you know, willy nilly, but it's actually really been good to have something to focus my creative energy on that isn't making me miserable like the the other project where I have the writer's block. So I don't know if I'll actually start drafting it, but it is nice to at least get back into outlining. I really love the outlining phase of a project. In fact, this is going to sound so bad, but drafting is one of my least favorite parts. So um, anything I can do to make the drafting part smoother, I get really excited about. So I'm having a lot of fun. I found these really great scene outline worksheets online and it's kind of a departure from what I usually do. Usually I write all my scenes that I want on note cards and then rearrange them as necessary, throw them out, you know, add new ones. Um, And then once I have all that down, then I go and I write a super detailed outline in my notebook. But this is actually really, really fun. It's forcing me to think about things I might not otherwise have thought of. So I don't know if I'll rely solely on the worksheets for my outline or if once I've gotten the first draft of the outline down, if I'll move it to my notebook for the, the, the actual like super detailed one that I like to do. But either way, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I I really love the planning part, which is so nerdy, I know, and drives pantsers crazy because they can't comprehend why the planning part would be fun. But it works for me, and that's really all that matters. And that is about everything I have. So without further ado, let's get straight into the review. I've got a great one for you this week. It's The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah. And I will be having a spoiler section this week, but don't worry, as always, I will tag it before and after so you can skip straight to the end if you don't want spoilers. Here's the synopsis. Luli Al-Nazari is the Midnight Merchant, a criminal who, with the help of her djinn bodyguard, hunts and sells illegal magic. When she saves the life of a cowardly prince, she draws the attention of his powerful father, the Sultan, who blackmails her into finding an ancient lamp that has the power to revive the barren land at the cost of sacrificing all jinn. With no choice but to obey or be executed, Luli journeys with the sultan's oldest son to find the artifact. Aided by her bodyguard, who has secrets of his own, they must survive ghoul attacks, outwit a vengeful jinn queen, and confront a malicious killer from Luli's past. And in a world where story is reality and illusion is truth, Luli will discover that everything, her enemy, her magic, 
even her own past is not what it seems, and she must decide who she will become in this new reality. Inspired by stories from 1001 Nights, the Stardust Thief weaves the gripping tale of a legendary smuggler, a cowardly prince, and a dangerous quest across the desert to find a legendary magical map. Alright, so I'm going to be super upfront with you guys. I really loved this book. I'd heard it compared to uh, City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty, and I'm going to shock you here, I actually read that one. In fact, it was one of the very first books I reviewed for my blog a couple years back. It might have been the very first one I reviewed. And I did like that one, but... I ended up, I think I gave it three stars. There was just something about it. The second POV, I really didn't jive with. And then the ending just sort of, I didn't, I just didn't love it. So even though I loved the setting and I love the, the, the premise, I ended up just not loving it as much. And I never even finished the series. On the other hand, the Stardust Thief is everything I think I wanted City of Brass to be or it improved in the ways that City of Brass let me down. So if you're if you've read City of Brass, the Stardust Thief has a lot of similar elements. It's obviously based in a historic Middle Eastern themed setting. Uh, there's Jin, and there is even a um, soft-hearted prince that tags along. So you, you'll recognize a lot of those elements, but it, it is fundamentally a different story. As you heard in the uh, synopsis, it is very heavily inspired by 1001 Nights, um, the classic collection of Arabic folk tales. The most famous one that most American children will recognize is the one of the genie in the lamp. But there are also some other elements that I was able to recognize uh, just from a, like a tertiary knowledge of 1001 Nights. And honestly, I just loved it. I loved all of it. The relationship between Luli and Kadir, her Jin bodyguard, was especially great. I kept trying to think of a way to describe their relationship. I'd seen it described as like, you know, father-daughter, but that doesn't quite cover it. I mean, yes, he did raise her from the time she was like 8 or 12 or something, but it doesn't str- quite strike me as paternal. It's almost like the, the the terminology I kept coming back to was like almost like platonic soulmates. They really just love each other so much. They're so de- dedicated to each other. They understand one another, even with the, the myriad revelations that come out during the course of the book. Their relationship is just so special. And I held on to it as like my guiding light all the way through to the end. And I actually really liked Mazen as well. He is the youngest son of the Sultan, and he is extremely soft-hearted, at least compared to the rest of his family and many of the other characters that we meet. The synopsis describes him as a coward, but I don't think coward is quite the right word for him. He's just very sheltered and indecisive and unsure of himself, but I don't think coward is the right word. And I really, really loved that. Where in City of Brass, Ali, the uh, the prince uh, POV character that we get in that book, I found him to be really, really boring. He was not compelling to me at all. He just felt a little too perfect. He was really good hearted and he was really kind and he was, you know, striving for the very much the right thing. And it was just very boring. Whereas Mazen, I feel like has real 
flaws and real depth and real growth as well throughout the book. And I really, really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed his crush on Luli and that it was never acted upon. It was never made to be too much of a big deal because it was just nice to know that, yes, there can be romantic feelings in a book that don't take center stage when there is so much other shit going on. And I, that was, I thought that was really great. And then the third POV is Aisha, and she is one of the, quote, 40 thieves um, under the direction of the uh, Sultan's eldest son, the King of Thieves. And their job is to hunt down Jin. And Aisha is assigned to go on this mission with Luli and Mazen. And I... I I really liked her POV as well. I, I can't get in too much into it without getting spoilery, but it was a rare occasion where I found all the POV characters to be really compelling. The only thing I will say um, is that while I understood Asia's growing, I don't know, attachment isn't the right word and respect isn't the right word, but her growing friendship with Mazen and the way that she felt about him, you could see the reason why the way she viewed him changed throughout the book, I didn't see it the other way around. I could never understand why Mazen was so attached to her, especially by the end. That was one of the few complaints I had is that their relationship from his point of view didn't make much sense to me. I got it the other way around, but I I just didn't, it, I, I wasn't sold from his perspective. I also wasn't totally smitten with the sub-arc Sub arc <laughs> subplot about Luli and her relationship with Ahmed, who is a wazir of a local city, who is a very famous gin killer, and nobody really knows that Luli actually consorts with gin, and obviously her best friend is a gin, and that she doesn't think of them as people to be murdered. And yet she's got this crush, she's got this budding relationship with a very zealous gin killer. I just didn't get it. I don't think we got enough of Ahmed on the page to really understand why she had feelings for him, other than he was just generally a very charismatic guy. It was a little bit difficult for me to suspend my disbelief that not only would Kadir be so indifferent to their budding relationship, seeing as how he is a jinn and Ahmed is a jinn killer, but that Luli would be able to set aside her principles so easily just because the guy is nice. Anyway, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it was, it was easy to ignore. And I really just liked the plot. I felt like the pacing was good. It was action-packed without feeling so frenetic like A Darker Shade of Magic did. It flowed from one crisis to the next while allowing us chances to settle in with the characters and settle in with the world and understand the conflict at the heart of the story without losing any tension. So I, I, I just really loved it. I love the premise, like just going on this mission to retrieve this artifact that could doom all the djinn, even though Luli's closest friend is a djinn, and even though she doesn't agree that djinn are necessarily evil. I love that dichotomy and like just the dynamic of the group of Mazen, who is really soft-hearted, and Luli, who is pretending to be someone she's not, and then Aisha, Aisha, I, I actually don't know how to pronounce it, Aisha, 
you know, she's got her own agenda as well. And she's, you know, vehemently anti gin That dynamic really worked for me. It was very tense the entire time. But even as the story went on, you could see the way that they were understanding each other more and bonding a little bit more, even though even by the very end, those bonds were still very tenuous, like they could be broken very easily. And yet they were still there. I really enjoy that felt very real. And I think that's just about everything I can talk about without getting into the spoilers. So we're going to take a short break and then I will get right into it. For those of you who don't want spoilers, but want to hear my final rating and the preview for next week, you can skip ahead to the 23 minute 46 second mark to hear the rest. All right, three, two, one, let's jam. Guys, I I can't say it any other way. I loved this book. I just loved it so much. There were so many little details that I just really, really, really loved. From the very first chapter, learning about Luli and her trade as the Midnight Merchant as someone who deals in illegal magic. I love the interplay with Kadir, who can shape change into a lizard. Every time Kadir was in a li- was in his lizard form, I just loved it. He was it just, I don't know, I just, I just kind of love lizards anyway. So it was just so cute to imagine him as a lizard just riding around on her shoulder like a pet, while also like giving her advice and keeping an eye on things. I just loved that dynamic. Every time he was in lizard form, I just really, really enjoyed it. And then Mazen's introduction was really great as well. Him sneaking out of the palace, which his father really would not like and getting immediately caught and then trying to play it off. It was a really great introduction to his character. Like I said, I really loved him. I really loved his softness. I really loved his growth throughout the book. I just loved him so much. He was my precious, nerdy desert sunflower. And even Aisha, who was my least favorite of the three POV characters, she even had a really good perspective to have. She was just so different from the other two, from Luli and Mazen. It was such a departure from their motivations and their characterization that it was really a breath of fresh air when she came on the page because, like I said, it was just, it was, it offered a completely different perspective. And even her betrayal at the end I feel like it struck a really good balance because we always knew that was going to happen. It was never really a big secret. Of course, the details were kept from us, but it was pretty apparent that she wasn't being totally forthcoming about her role on this mission. We always knew that something was going on, that Omar, the King of Thieves, um, Mazen's brother, had some kind of nefarious plan. And so when she did that, like I said, I wasn't surprised and I felt like it was handled with a lot of nuance. Like there was this feeling that she was going to question what she was going to do. Like she did it almost robotically, despite the growing connection she she was building with Luli and Kadir and Mazen. But so there was a little bit of confliction, but not enough to kind of switch off the plan. I will say that her her final heel turn at the end did feel a little abrupt, especially since she did carry out the betrayal after all. It so when she like switched sides at the very end, it did feel a little bit underwritten. I, I think we could have done a little bit more pressing of that particular issue throughout the book for her POV so that it felt a little bit more believable. But overall, it, it wasn't a deal breaker for me because, again, I knew it was coming. Like, there was never any question that she was going to come back to the good side. 
There were just so many little wonderful details sprinkled in throughout the book that I really just feel like I keep thinking about them even after the fact. Like right before Luli and the gang leave the city to go on this mission to retrieve the magical lamp with the genie inside, you know the one. But she's stopped by the man who basically sold her out to the Sultan. And he tells her, I'm sorry, I had to, you know, I had to think about my family, implying that his family would have been in danger if he hadn't. And I don't know, I just loved that detail. It really ultimately meant nothing in the end because like it really doesn't come up. But I don't know, I just really enjoyed that moment where she realized that people's motivations aren't always black and white. People can hurt her without intending to hurt her or can betray her because of some greater obligation that she might even understand herself. I also really loved the detail and I have no idea if this is like just part of basic gen folklore, but I really loved the idea of their blood bringing life to like what is otherwise barren land. So obviously the setting is very dry and dusty and sandy. And whenever gin spill their blood, lush, vibrant life springs up in its place, even if it's inside. (laughs) So I I really love that. It really made for some really interesting scenery um, and some really great details and some really great scenes. And I'm just going to talk about Kadir for a moment because I just love him. I've already talked about his lizard form, which I just, I, it just tickles me so much. Just idea, just thinking about him as a lizard, just sitting on Luli's shoulder and just talking to her and stuff. I just love that. But also he calls himself a coward and unlike Mazen, who I don't think is a coward, I, I, I sort of agree with Kadir that he is one. He keeps referencing that every time, every problem he's ever had, he's run away from. And that conversation where he he says that, you know, every problem I've ever had, I've just run away from. I just love it so much. I love a self-aware king, first of all, but also just I, I love flaws in my in my characters. I If you give me a character who can do no wrong, I'm not interested. And then just the the growing development throughout the book of who he is and what he is. First, he's just a run of the mill gin. Then we find out he's one of the Jin kings. Um, and then come to find out he is like the big Jin king, I guess. Like that's what's implied at the very end. I just, I love knowing that someone so mighty was brought so low. I mean, if you think about it, like I remember thinking early on in the book, what is this dude doing, this powerful Jin? You know, what is this dude doing with this little girl and, you know, helping her be a smuggler and, you know, an illegal illegal magic dealer and just he was so devoted to her. And early on, I just couldn't figure out why. But at the end of the book, knowing what he was and then knowing that he was brought that low and yet was so dedicated to her. Like I said, he basically raised her and just loved her so much that to him, it wasn't being brought low. It was it was his life's work really to be with her and it just i just love that so much that this this mighty king fell because of supposedly his own i, w- I don't want to say wrongdoing but just the, the the consequences of his own actions and then he fell and met up with luli because of fate or whatever it was and he just was he 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 never felt prideful probably because you know he was ashamed but like that 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 lowliness comforted him. I don't know. It's just like I said, the dynamic was really fascinating to me. I really, really loved it. 
One complaint I've seen a lot about this book is that it reads like a YA, and I did not get that sense at all. I am not a fan of YA. Um, I'm not a fan of YA because they feel too juvenile for me. And I know a lot of adults love to read and obviously write YA, but I am just not one of them. I like to read stories about adults and with adult perspectives. So I am the first person to put down a story if it feels too juvenile for me. I could not get through Six of Crows for that reason. It is too juvenile for me. I, I, I want to read a story about adults. And so I'm kind of surprised that this is being described as feeling YA, even though all the characters are adults. I mean, I guess the complaint is that it's not as detail-oriented or gritty feeling as uh, a lot of uh, adult fantasies are. And maybe that's the case. And if you if that's how you would prefer your adult fantasies, then this might read a little bit unimaginative, I guess, for you. But I didn't get that sense at all. I It, it definitely does not have the juvenile skew that YA does, the what turns me off of YA. And I actually really liked the kind of nebulous magic system because each magical item is actually the soul of a djinn bestowed upon the object that was most important to them in life um, when they die. And so obviously the magic is going to do vastly different things. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I liked that it, I mean, in, in some hard magic fantasy systems, absolutely it wouldn't pass muster, but it worked for me here because so much about this story is about not knowing what the truth is and not knowing, not knowing kind of where your place in the world is. And so I kind of really liked that the magic was equally as mysterious and nebulous. I will say the middle section People say that it drags, and it didn't drag to me, but there's a plot in the middle where we think that Kadir has been killed, and um, obviously Luli is extremely distraught, and it's a big thing, and it's very action-packed, so I don't think it drags, but I will say it did get really, really confusing for me in that plot point because we think Kadir is dead um, but his magic keeps showing up and we are kind of led to believe that it's like the last vestiges of him holding on to protect Luli as long as he can but it turns out he's not really dead <laughs> um, because he's a Jin king or whatever he can he can regenerate his body or whatever and that's all fine and good. I mean, I was really like, I was distraught over the idea of him dying, especially only like halfway through the book. But it did get a little bit muddled um, in that part because I just, I was just having trouble keeping up what was going on with the magic. I will say that. And I do wish there was something more done with Aisha's pact with the Jin Queen. I cannot remember her name, but basically... Aisha almost dies and a Jin queen says, hey, if you let me share your body, I'll save your life. And Aisha, who hates Jin, accepts her. And so there's like this like element of self-loathing and like it, that's really, really interesting. But I just wish more was done with it. After that point, Aisha and her Jin passenger, they have a few like internal conversations, but I wish it was explored just a little bit more that dynamic, especially since it was part of the driving force for her heel turn at the end. I just feel like that how 
uncomfortable it must be to share a body with like your sworn enemy and or like on the other side someone who has murdered possibly hundreds of your kind i i just wish that dynamic was explored more we get a little bit of it i just wish there was more of it but overall i just i really really loved this book i loved so much about it complaints feel a little nitpicky and honestly i mean i love this book i can't wait to reread it if i had time to spare i would be rereading it already and there's no stronger endorsement than I can give other than the fact that I am so excited to read the sequel. I haven't read a sequel since The Obelisk Gate, the sequel to uh, Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. That was the last sequel I read because I just, I have a hard time investing that much time into one world and one story. But this one, like if the sequel were out, I would immediately be reading it right now. I loved it so much. I love the characters. The cliffhanger chef's kiss. I can't wait to see what the next adventure is. I'm so excited. I wish it were out now. And really, that's the strongest endorsement I can give of any book. If if I am that invested to read the sequel, it's a good fucking book. So I gave The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah 4.5 stars. I think I gave it five stars on Goodreads because I was like right after I finished and I was like in a fit of peak. I think 4.5 is about where I come down. I can't decide if I'm on the five side or the four side, but I think 4.5 is a pretty accurate representation of my feelings. Like I said, there were a few things that could have been done better, but overall, I just loved it so much. It was so good. It was such a good story and the characters were really, really great. All of them were really great and that's a hard thing to pull off. All your POV characters being great characters that I care about reading. No POV dragged for me. It it was just, it was all so good. So I hope you guys read it. And if you do tell me what you think, they were really, really good. And that's just about it. That's everything I have for you guys, except to say that next week I will be covering An Alchemy of Masks and Mirrors by Curtis Craddock. It's a book that's a lot different from the ones that I have read so far this year and just in general and a lot different from the ones that I've reviewed so far. So I'm excited to bring you that one. Again, it's An Alchemy of Masks and Mirrors by Curtis Craddock. Here's the synopsis. See you next week. In a world of soaring continents and bottomless skies, where a burgeoning new science lifts skyships into the cloud-strewn heights and ancient blood-borne sorceries cling to a fading glory, Princess Isabel des Zephyrs is about to be married to a man she has barely heard of, the second son of a dying king in an empire collapsing into civil war. Born without the sorcery that is her birthright, but with a persipacious intellect, Pacacious, persipacious intellect, Isabel believes that her marriage will stave off disastrous conflict and bring her opportunity and influence. But the last two women betrothed to this prince were murdered, and a sorcerer assassin is bent on making Isabel the third. Aided and defended by her loyal musketeer Jean-Claude, Isabel plunges into a great maze of prophecy, intrigue, and betrayal where everyone wears masks of glamour and lies. Step by dangerous step, she unravels the lies of her enemies and discovers a truth more perilous than any deception. Carrie Sher is an aspiring fantasy writer, content creator, 
and the mind behind justanotherstrugglingwriter.com. You can find her online on Twitter at Carrie underscore share, on Instagram at Just Another Struggling Writer, and on Patreon, Ko-Fi, and Redbubble at Carrie Share. That's Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, share, like sharing with a friend. <laughs>